Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome into another edition of SEC Football and Beyond. I'm Neil McCready, Chris Landry with me here today as well. It is Friday, March the 12th. I guess we're technically in year two now of uh, of COVID. So congratulations to all of us. Um, it is uh, March the 12th. It feels like spring outside. It looks like spring outside. Hope everybody's having a, uh, a great end of the week. Hope you have a great weekend. It's a If you like basketball, uh, this is a great weekend for it. Selection Sunday now. A little more than 48 hours away. The SEC tournament quarterfinals are set. It's 9.02 a.m. right now, the uh, game one of the quarterfinals, but a little less than two hours away. Mississippi State, after uh, beating Kentucky yesterday in Nashville, Mississippi State will play Alabama at uh, 11 a.m. Central. That game will be followed by Florida and Tennessee, a rematch of a game that they played on uh, Sunday in Knoxville. Uh, the Gators, the fifth seed, uh, beat Vanderbilt yesterday to advance to the quarterfinals. That game, 30 minutes after uh, – 25 minutes, I should say, after Mississippi State and Alabama. And then the nighttime doubleheader tonight begins at, uh, I think, 6 o'clock. I think that's right, 6 o'clock. I think so. Missouri, uh, fresh off a win over Georgia last night. Missouri plays uh, second-seeded Arkansas. Uh, two teams that are headed to the tournament. And then um, – a game that that has uh, real tournament ramifications for one team. Ole Miss beat South Carolina in the nightcap last night. They'll play the nightcap tonight against LSU. The Rebels are the sixth seed. LSU's the three seed. LSU's headed to the NCAA tournament. A lot of people, self-included, think Ole Miss probably needs to beat LSU to be able to say the same thing. There are some people that think Ole Miss has to get to Sunday to make the NCAA tournament. I, I disagree. I think they have to get to tomorrow. If Ole Miss uh, beats LSU today and then loses to either Arkansas or Missouri on Saturday, I think the Rebels will get good news on Sunday. But that's the uh, that's the SEC tournament quarterfinals today. Should be a really fun day of uh, of college basketball. If you like college basketball, there is some news today, Chris, involving college basketball that that's pretty interesting. Uh, Virginia, uh, who was advanced, they were the number one seed in the ACC tournament. They had advanced to the ACC uh, semifinals. They've got a, a COVID positive, and so uh, Virginia is uh, no contesting tonight's game, I guess, against Georgia Tech. So Georgia Tech will advance to the uh, ACC final. There's a lot of people out there in, in my field, Chris, media types, that are like, oh, God, ACC, you've got a problem. Oh, God, oh, God, you've got a problem. Oh, God, oh, God, you've got a problem. Listen, they, if you're a team like Virginia – you're going to be a two seed in the NCAA tournament, and you know it. You're better off getting home. You got to this NCAA thing. You've got to test positive seven. You got to test negative seven days in a row before you can play in Indiana in the first round of the NCAA tournament. We'll do the math. The tournament starts a week from today. When we convene next Friday, Chris, the uh, NCAA tournament will be hours away from starting. You don't want to run the risk of having a problem later in the weekend. If you're Virginia and you just have one case, you're like, hey, we better shut it down. No harm, no foul. You're in the tournament. You know you're going to be a two seed. Probably can't move up to a one. Probably can't drop to a three. And then Dan Wilkin, should the ACC even continue with the tournament? Serious question. If you've got a COVID hot zone, 
the week before the NCAA, you're putting all your teams in jeopardy. <clears throat> well, and the, the other thing, too, obviously, it's not like losing the game where it might affect your seating, as you mentioned. It's kind of understood and accepted and excused, if you will, that, eh, yeah, probably would have won, probably would have advanced. You know, Virginia's good. They stay on that number two line. I do think that there's obviously the big goal, and it tells you where the conference tournaments, as fun as it is, and this is kind of the, I always consider conference tournament week the beginning of the NCAA tournament because it's kind of like open for everybody. If you're in your conference tournament, technically you can get into the NCAA tournament. You just got to win all your games. Not easy. So it's like the, you know, people always say we ought to open it up more. What well, already is open. I, I don't, I never quite understood that, but so, but it tells you if you've already made it. And if you are a good team, um, then it, it, it just puts the conference tournaments in perspective to the NCAA. The NCAA is the priority. I, I, I think that the one thing I'm wondering about, because we had it with Duke, and we kind of know the Duke situation, Virginia, is that, boy, everyone is going to be on pins and needles, I guess, next week. We get ready to start opening week. For sure. It's like, what if we have, and, and we got these, and I'm not quite sure how they're going to work, and I haven't read it, but they have the, the alternate teams ready to go. I don't know how that's going to, I don't know what's going to happen, you know, but obviously once you start the tournament, what happens? And I, I never, haven't heard that. Maybe, you know, and can inform me. So you get the opening week, you know, you get to, you played Thursday. Well, actually it's, they're going to change it a little bit differently. So you win your first round game and something happens, your opponent automatically advances to the side. I mean, you know, you could have that, I guess. And, I, you know, it, it, it's it's going to put everybody on pins and needles, but there's no doubt that there's more of a willingness to say, oh, we're out here, but I'm wondering if this – so I guess if this, if this situation, if Virginia found the same exact situation that they found out today or yesterday, whatever, and they found this out, if this happens next week, are they no contest in an NCAA tournament? Or, I mean, how does that – how's that going to work? How's that going to look? What so do you think? So if you if you um, are seated and you get to Indiana and then you have a problem, you're just out. Which is one of the reasons that I think Sunday is going to be really fascinating on a lot of levels because if I know for an absolute fact that the NCAA tournament, there's 68 teams. They desperately want to play 67 games so that they get 67 67ths. In other words, a full one uh, of their TV money from their TV contract. So if you only, if let's say five games get COVIDed out, well, you only get 62 67ths of your money. And for a, an organization that, that makes most of its money off the tournament, for an organization that did not get a tournament last year, they need the money. So I'm curious to see whether very subtly, on Saturday, Sunday, this weekend, if one of the, we'll never find out, it'll, it'll leak out eventually, but I am curious to see, do people say on that committee, Hey, what's kind of y'all's antibody situation? What's your COVID situation? Have you, have you had it? How many, how many players on your team have already had COVID? How many coaches on your team have already had COVID? Because if you're looking at a team that's on the fence or on the, on the bubble, I guess the terminology, and you're like, well, they got 13 scholarship guys and 11 of them have already had COVID. That makes them a little more attractive than a team that's yet to have a COVID situation. Yeah, and then you're, you're relying on honest information from the school. They're going to be honest with you if they want to make the tournament. I mean, you know, you you don't really know. You're, you're sure. taking their word on it. Uh, no, I look, I think this is – this is going to be um, very intriguing to watch how this plays out. First of all, we're all in Indianapolis, so it's going to be kind of like it's going to be the place, but limited people can go, you know, except for the people that are participating. We'll, we'll kind of see that. A um, little bit, the schedule is a little bit different, looks a little different. But then it's, it, I, I, I 
just cringe when I heard that. And, you know, the Duke situation, you know, I, I almost got the feeling that Duke was ready to call it a season a while ago. And I think they're ready to go home and just kind of put this behind them, but cause it's not their type of year. And they, you know, it, it saves them from having to deal with anything else beyond this. But I think next week's going to be intriguing from that standpoint of we're not going to be wondering like we did during the football season. When we come on and say, all games are on schedule, you know, particularly Tuesday when we're like, okay, we need to know. We need, we'll find out. We think, and then we had most of the games done in the SEC anyway. Um, that's what we're going to be. We're going to be doing that next week. Well, the next three weeks. What I'm, so I'm, that's one thing. Okay. First week is one thing. Could you imagine though, the disaster that would be the NCAA tournament? I'm going to take you through the second week. We're in the sweet 16. Yeah. And we get to, you win one game. Now you're in the elite eight game and it happens. Sure. So then somebody defaults into the final four. I mean, it'll, it'll be, it'll be one thing if a team defaults into the second round and then get bounces. Cause you know, it's another thing. Somebody gets defaulted into the final four, or can you imagine this happening in the final four? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not laughing cause it's funny, but I'm like, we use the term bubble. I mean, can you imagine the, the degree of tightness of that, of the different type of bubble once they get to the final four. What a disaster if they line up the big Saturday and it's like it's Gonzaga, be, Gonzaga can't go. It's going to be very similar to the Major League Baseball bubble. I was watching a, a documentary, I guess, last weekend. I, I did it on uh, – I've kind of resumed my running program, kind of building back up to some longer runs. And so I had a, um, a seven-mile run that I had to do, and I decided to do it on a treadmill because I, I wanted – I didn't want weather to be a factor, and I didn't want to – climb hills and that thing i just kind of wanted to pl- uh, play it safe and so uh, i watched a uh, a documentary on the 2020 chicago cubs and the cubs if you recall won the national league central and they they were swept in a, a best of three series at home against the miami marlins but the reason that it was it was interesting was that once the cubs uh clinched a postseason spot after the first round, if you remember, all of the games were either played in Arlington or in, um, I guess, Houston or San Diego. Teams went to to bubble sites. And um, the players, as soon as the Cubs won the Central, the, the Cubs had to move into the hotel across the street from uh, from Wrigley Field, the one that, that the, uh, the Ricketts family owns. And they were interviewing David Ross, who's the manager of the Cubs now. and. Uh, David Ross was saying that he's so used to being able to. There's a there's a Starbucks that's right over there by Wrigley. I don't know if you've ever been to Wrigley, but there's a Starbucks right over there, just across the street from uh, one of the main entrances into Wrigley Field. And and he said, you know, I'm used to stopping into Starbucks. And he talked about how he he got he went to leave. He was going to go over to Starbucks and get a coffee and bring it back to his room because they were quarantined at the hotel and security stopped him. And David Ross was saying it was this moment that he he's like, here I am. I'm a grown man. I'm the manager of the Chicago Cubs, and I can't walk to Starbucks and get a coffee. And the players were talking about how they, they couldn't be with their families. Their families had to go. Had the Cubs beaten the Marlins, the Cubs would have played the Braves, and I think that series was in Arlington or Houston, one or the other. But the Cubs, all the any family that wanted to be with their husband or fa- fathers or whatever, they had to go ahead and go to that spot in Texas and quarantine. And it's going to be the same kind of thing. It's it's what's interesting about the SEC basketball tournament. I was, I was talking about this on my main podcast today. Normally, for a team like Alabama or Arkansas or LSU or Tennessee, Florida, Missouri, those type teams, teams that have already pretty much punched their ticket or have punched their ticket to the NCAA tournament. The SEC tournament's kind of laid back. You you go, let's say you're Alabama, you 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 go and you 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 got there on Wednesday. A lot of family comes, coaches, wives, 
players' parents, stuff like that. They're all at the hotel. They're all kind of down in the lobby during the day. You'll see if you walk over to hotels where teams are staying, you'll see players down in the lobby hanging out with family, and they're just chilling and just kind of fun, catching up with people, stuff like that. They they'll have a, a, a shoot around in the morning, and then they'll go play their game. And if they win their game, they come back to the hotel and they go back to their rooms and. You know, everybody chills for a little while, and then they'll have a team dinner, and then they'll have a little scouting deal with film. Hey, we're playing, you know, Mississippi State tomorrow or Arkansas tomorrow, whatever. And they'll do, you know, an hour of film or whatever. And then they go back down to the hotel lobby, and the family's there, and, you know, they're kicking it, sitting there down there having a, you know, a soda or whatnot, hanging out with their families and stuff. Well, it's not like that this year. Coaches can't even – coaches' wives can't even stay with, with their husbands. They're completely um, quarantined, away from family. Family can can be in town, but family can't come see the they, they can't come see the players. They can't go see their brothers or uh, sons or whatnot. So it, they they've turned it almost into a it's the wrong analogy. It's the wrong word, but into a little bit of a a jail, if you will. Once you check in, you except for official team activities, you can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. No way. You won't see players walking Nashville. And so what they've done is, and it's going to be like that in Indiana. It's, it's, it's when you get there, you stay until you lose. And while you're there, you are a basketball robot. And, you know, I guess for me, I mean, I, well, certainly in this current environment, I, I, I have no problem with it because you got you got to make some sacrifices. And you know, I come from a background where you go off to NFL training camp. Sure. I mean, in a normal environment, I mean, um, they may have had like one function where you know fans could come up to. Um, but you know, it's you know that you're you're isolated and it's meetings all the time. So I guess for me, it's like, hey, look suck it up if this is important to you i mean for the basketball season it's a three-week process from the whole thing so go ahead and 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 if it's important to you get it done you know go you know go ahead and do everything and yeah just look i mean what's the what's the word i mean look I, I i we have people that obviously men and women that go in the service and away from their family for you know a long time there, there's a lot of sacrifices you need to make for this case, these players and certainly pro players and whatnot, you, you got to make this sacrifice in this time, I, I think. But it's going to be interesting, and you got to be ultra conservative. And you wonder how, again, I guess this stuff is still spreading around to where you can get it. I just keep wondering if it's going to, to, uh, what type of effect it's going to have. So we now, Kentucky. Kentucky's run in the SEC tournament that, you know, well, we'll see if they can make a run. Okay, that's so much for that. Duke's out. So we 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 know that um that though they're gone. So we've got those two blue bloods that are gone to for this tournament. Um what what are you what are you expecting the rest of the SEC in the SEC tournament? I know it's it's um, you know, what do you you know it's gonna I mean, there's not could so, say chalk, but I just get the feeling as good as Alabama is, it's not like wow, you know, it's not exactly like you know expecting Gonzaga to win their tournament. I mean, you know, it's, 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 yeah. Well, so Alabama's they're they're one of those teams that if, if if I'm Nate Oates and I'm Alabama, I'm a two seed. I'm going to be a two seed. I I don't know how long I really desperately want to be in Nashville. I wouldn't mind. You lose today at eleven o'clock, you could. You could be back in Tuscaloosa, safe and sound in your bubble by by the end of the day. Uh, this is the third time they played Mississippi State. State has played them well both times. Alabama's a better team. State is capable of winning that game. Uh, Florida and Tennessee are two pretty evenly matched teams. Um, they played each other on Sunday, but uh, man, the uh, the guard for for Florida did not play in Knoxville. He played really well yesterday against Vanderbilt. The Gators are just kind of a you know they were a team that was that was built built around Keontae uh, Johnson. He's not there, obviously. He's he's out for the season. Uh, thankfully, he's fine, but uh, he's he's out for the season. So that's a that's a real even matchup. Could go either way. 
Uh, I actually think Missouri Arkansas is going to be a really good game. The last two times, the last time those two teams played, it was a, a really competitive basketball game. I think you'll see some of the same today. Arkansas is probably the hottest team in the league. I think they've won eleven straight league games, but um, they they looked in their regular season finale against Texas A and M the other day. They looked tired, and so they've had a few days to recover. They've had a few days to kind of recharge their batteries. I'll be curious to see how much intensity they play with. They're they're probably a three or a four in the NCAA tournament, no matter what. Uh, they've got a really good, young, talented team. Uh, Moses Moody, the freshman guard, going to be a lottery pick, just a, a really fun player to watch who's really started to come into his own here in the last probably three or four weeks of the season. And then the interesting game is tonight because LSU is one of those uh, one of those teams that when they're on, they are on. When they're good, they are really good. Um, they're, they're, they're better than Ole Miss. There's no question about that. They're a better team than Ole Miss. Uh, they they whipped Ole Miss back in January when they played in Oxford. Um, Ole Miss is a different team since then. Ole Miss has now won eight of its last ten games. And I'm looking at uh, ESPN's bracketology as I say this right now. Last four in uh, on, on this, it's Drake, Colorado State, Syracuse, and Utah State. First four out on the very first line of first four out is Ole Miss. If Ole Miss beats LSU today. They're in the tournament. They know it. LSU doesn't have that to play for. LSU's probably a sixth seed in the NCAA tournament. That's probably sort of cast in stone. I'm looking at ESPN's bracket right now. I'm looking for LSU. I'll give you the SEC tie-ins. They have Tennessee as a sixth seed in uh, Region 1 is what they're calling it. They've got uh, Arkansas as a three seed in Region 2. They've got Florida as an eight. They've got uh, Alabama as a two. They've got Missouri as an eight, and they've got LSU as a seven. So LSU's in that six, seven seed range. Probably can't change that. Even if they went on a run in in Nashville and won the whole thing, I don't know that LSU could get above a six. I don't think they could even get to a five seed in, in the tournament. Even even if they won the tournament, yeah. Yeah, just because of, the, because of some of the losses that they have. So. You, this is where you, you find out about motivation. If you're LSU, there's not a hell of a lot to play for tonight. If you're Ole Miss, there is a ton to play for tonight. So that's the interesting game. And then after that, you get the semis. You know, if, if it's chalk, you're going to get um, Alabama and, and Tennessee tomorrow, and you'd get uh, Arkansas-LSU, which would be a really fun game because those two teams love to get up and down the floor. Uh, and if we get chalk, we get an Alabama-Arkansas <clears throat> final on, on Sunday that – would be would be a fun game. Uh, Arkansas kind of handled them in Fayetteville three or four weeks ago, and that's probably a game that 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 uh, Alabama remembers pretty well. But who knows, man? You get to you get to Sunday, and you're one of these teams that has a two seed, a three seed locked up. Your competitive juices kick in. You know this. You've been in coaching. I mean, once the once the the whistle blows, your your instinct is to go play. If you're a coach, and I've I've talked to coaches about this, and they'll tell you it's it's a uh, it's a fine line. You, you you never want your team to think that you don't want to win. But, boy, you you don't want to leave everything you've got in Nashville. And then on Friday, you're in Bloomington or Indianapolis or whatnot, and your tank's not as full as you would like for it to be. And that that happens. You, you, you've seen that. You've seen teams make runs in a, in a conference tournament, and they get to a first-round game, and for whatever reason, they just can't flip the switch. So – so the tournament gets interesting after tonight. If you're, especially if it goes by chalk, if it's the the four top seeds that win, there's not a lot to play for other than pride and winning a conference title. And the arena's empty. It's 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 not completely empty, but it certainly doesn't. Like the Kentucky game yesterday, Chris was a great example. Kentucky made that second half run, and in a traditional SEC tournament. When you've got all these Kentucky fans that can't get into Rupp, but they can get into Nashville, all of a sudden it becomes Lexington South. Right. And it just, you know, it's Rupp's. We used to call it, you know, when it was in Atlanta every year, we'd, we'd call it, oh, well, here it is. It's Catlanta. And it would just turn mm-hmm. blue. You know, the place was blue and the arena got loud and the Kentucky <laughs> kids fed off of it and a, a run knocked you out. You, you know, you, you remember. Yesterday, Mississippi State was able to kind of catch its breath and um, 
uh, Iverson, uh, um, I can't think of his last name right now, Malavar or whatever his last name is, uh, he, he made a couple of big-time threes for uh, for Mississippi State that sort of stemmed the tide, and, and, and they won the game. But in a typical SEC tournament, Kentucky's run would have carried them yesterday. The crowd would have taken them the rest of the way. It's not a typical tournament. And so I don't know when you get to Saturday and you get to those semifinal games and it doesn't have that same feel, I don't know what happens with a an Alabama or a – like t- tonight's a good example. In a typical tournament year, a lot of people would stick around to watch Ole Miss and LSU for two reasons. Ole Miss has a lot to play for, and they don't like LSU. They don't like Will Wade. They don't like the whole – FBI thing and the wiretap and the strong ass offer and all of that stuff. He's kind of become like one of the like you know faces of evil, if you will, one of the bad guys. If you were wrestling, he's he's a he's you know he, he's he's the bad guy going against the pretty boy. And and so there would be a lot of people tonight that if Ole Miss kept making it a game, the longer Ole Miss stayed in it, the more the Alabama fans would be like, you know what? I don't like Ole Miss, but I hate LSU, and I'm getting into this. And 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 you'd see that pick up over the course of the evening. Well, that won't happen tonight because, you know, they clear the arena out after each game. So I don't know what it's going to feel like. It's going to be an interesting look, an interesting feel, and who knows? And then this – this, I'm being long-winded. I apologize. This, Vir- yeah. this Virginia story today, a day after the Duke story that you referenced yesterday – it has to be sending some shockwaves through these leagues, through these tournaments, through the coaches of teams that know they're going to Indiana. If you're Will Wade today, in the back of your mind, and he'd never admit this publicly, but in the back of your mind, you're like, you know, I'd like to win tonight because winning's better than losing. But I can I can happily get on a plane and get to Baton Rouge tomorrow with my team and lock my team down and know we're good for next week. The longer we stay here, the more we're exposed to new stuff, the more you're exposed to injury. You know, I mean, Javante Smart suffers a a, a grade one ankle sprain today. He's not playing next week. So, you know, you, you're, you can control stuff a little bit better. And in a normal year, the, the atmosphere of a tournament, the competing for a championship, the big crowds and stuff, that erases all that, and that carries a team through this. That doesn't exist this year. And so I'm interested to see what what the quarterfinals look and feel like today with no Kentucky and all the COVID stuff and all of that. I, I'm, I, this is a day that normally, as a, as, a, as a reporter, when I covered the SEC tournament, this was my favorite day of the tournament every single year. And today it's going to maybe feel kind of weird. Start of the season – there's a lot of talk about <clears throat> this Tennessee team is one to watch, could be really good, maybe considered co-favorites. Going in as a six seed feels a little bit of a disappointment relative to what the expectations were for the season. Mm-hmm. What is it? Um, what is it? A, lo- a lot of Rick has gotten a lot of criticism mm-hmm. as good a job as he's done that they don't, they, they, he's got a, a moniker to some in Knoxville's regular season, Rick, but the regular season wasn't quite as good. Now is that a mo- little bit more of, Hey, everybody's just kind of screwed up because of COVID. And, you know, I'm wondering what type of run can they make in this tournament? And, you know, is there any reason to think that they've got some, I mean, I know anything can happen, but beyond just anything can happen. We got any realistic thing that Tennessee could, do anything it seems like going into the ncaa tournament that if there's a team that's going to make some noise out of the sec it would be the consistency of alabama maybe arkansas maybe missouri but i don't get the feeling that hey look out you know that if tennessee goes on a run that that'll probably be every bit as surprising as the season negatively was this year a little bit about tennessee well, you're right. Before the season, people talked about Tennessee as a Final Four team. Um, yet they just—you knew that there was a possibility that Tennessee would struggle at times to score, and that has happened. I mean, they had—they—they they lost uh, to Kentucky, only scoring 55 points. They lost to Ole Miss, only scoring 50 points. They—they they beat Mississippi State, but they only scored 56 points. They've put up some of those kinds of games 
throughout the season where they just simply couldn't score. But what's killed them is that going into the year, people thought this would be a, a dominant defensive team, and they haven't been. When they've played elite offensive teams or elite offensive players, they've just gotten kind of lit up. Uh, you know, I mean, Alabama handled them easily. Uh, they lost by 13 at LSU. Um, you know, they, they, they couldn't handle uh, Auburn. Auburn had a, a very mediocre season. They they lost at Auburn by five late in the year. Uh, you know they they had that weird game at Ole Miss where they lost fifty two to fifty. Um, those those are the kind of games that that they they've struggled with. And now you know they they beat Florida on Sunday, holding the Gators to fifty four points. They're going into the tournament. They've you know you've got Fulkerson and you've got uh, Eves Ponds and and there, there's guys who played for a while that that know what they're doing. Jaden Springer's a very good guard. We'll see. The, the, the only two teams in the league, and you just referenced them, the only two teams in the league that have consistently played well for months at a time are Alabama and Arkansas. Arkansas, since about the middle of January, has probably been the best team in the league. Uh, over the course of the full season, Alabama's been the best team in the league. Those are the only two teams that have really been consistent. Tennessee's been inconsistent. LSU has been weird. LSU, when they're on, man, they're they're great. When they're but, but they'll have they'll have they give one hundred and five they give up one hundred five points to Alabama. I mean they they they'll disappear defensively. Like tonight, mm-hmm. tonight, so much of the Ole Miss LSU game is about does LSU show up? Does LSU play defense? And that sounds like a real flippant thing to ask, but LSU's had some games where they, they just don't play. They don't they don't play defense, and so. And, and Florida, Florida's not the team they were supposed to be because of Keontae Johnson. I actually think Mike's done a really good job in Gainesville with that team. Conzo uh, Martin's done a good job with this Missouri team. The media loves this Missouri team for some reason, and and I like them. They they have some some really nice kids on that team. They're they're fun to cheer for. They've been there a while. They when you watch them play, you can tell they really like each other. All that stuff. But I've never watched Missouri and thought, man, that's a really talented club. I think Conzo gets everything out of them, and I think they're good. But I've never watched them and thought, boy, they, they're going to make a run. Like I, I listened to Damian Fishback one night. It was during a Missouri Ole Miss game, and Fishback was talking about Missouri being a Final Four team. And I was like, Final Four of what? I mean, they're not, they're not that kind of team. So, the, look, we do this all the time with, with SEC stuff. And in football, it usually rings pretty true. The league's pretty good top to bottom. And in baseball, the league's dominant. I mean, the 10, 10 teams are, are legitimate Sweet 16 caliber baseball teams. I know you don't call it the Sweet 16 in baseball, but you know what I mean. There's six, there's eight, nine, ten 10 teams that are capable of making a super regional in, in, in the SEC. In basketball, that's not the case. There are, there are some very average basketball teams this year, and this year there have been some two or three bad teams. South Carolina wasn't good. Vanderbilt wasn't good. Texas A&M wasn't good. Auburn was very mediocre. I mean, the, Kentucky was not a good team. I think we can say that now. We kept waiting, like you said, we kept waiting for Kentucky to play like the name on the front of the jersey. It didn't happen. We finished the season. They, they just weren't good. You know, um, and we're going to get – we've got some great comments in the thread, and we're going to talk a little bit, some NFL news. I know people yeah. want to get you and all. But I want to follow up on something because I think this is interesting. We talk about it a lot during the football season. We, you know, we, we talk about coaches and guys doing a good job. And in the SEC, it's a little bit different. Um, guys that do a really good job of coaching. You mentioned Ponzo's done a good job at Missouri, and the success that they've had has been a little bit more about what he's been able to do with that team. Musselman's done a really good job, and obviously, you can't um, you can't help but be impressed with what Nate Oates has done at Alabama. Just and, and we all know we've discussed that nauseam about John Calipari and we know that John has had a great career in Kentucky normally attracts elite guys that have been successful at other places. Some like Billy Clyde Gillespie didn't work out, but what great success he had at you know um to to get the job. And, and we know that Cal gets great talent and normally teams are better and we're not discussing about getting into the tournament, but, but still from a Kentucky standpoint, um, it's almost kind of reminding me 
a little bit of the days of Joe B. Hall, where, you know, Joe B. won a title. In fact, there is, a, I think, a special coming out on on that 78 team that was really good. Goose yep. Givens and Rick Roby and um, team that went 78, beat Duke in the finals and Arkansas, which is in the Southwest Conference at that time, and Digger's team at Notre Dame. But it's almost – now, you couldn't get – more different than personalities with Joe B. Hall and John Calipari, you know, personality wise. I don't mean that, but I'm almost getting the feeling that Calipari, you know, from the Kentucky fans, not winning enough titles, yada, yada, yada. It's a different era. It's one and done. That's what he does. That's how he, and then, and maybe it leads to some inconsistency of building great teams in the modern era and his approach to getting great players is probably never going to change. That's what they expect. But then as we've noted, if you're a great talent, you're recruiting the best recruits in the country in basketball, they're not staying more than one year. So you're never, it's, it's different than it was before. You know, you had a great player like Goose Givens and Rick Roby and those guys stayed for a while. It just doesn't happen now in terms of coaches in the sec. And this is, kind of putting them in the tiers. Who do you think are just getting the most out of what they have? You don't have to rank them all. Now, I know we don't have enough of a sample size with Nate Oates. Got to be impressed, so it's recency bias. But I think it's a little bit less clear, and maybe it's less clear for me because paying more attention as a football guy, it's a little less clear defining who the best coaches are in the SEC basketball than in football. Your thoughts on if you were going to kind of put them into some tiers, and I'd be interested in what our folks think in the three. Just kind of, I don't know, throw out you know two or three that you you think are really maybe maybe kind of put them in three groups if you want to. You know, kind of hey upper tier, middle, and then you know we'll, we'll throw the bottom ones in, and 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 obviously you got to factor in everything, recruiting and yeah. development. And you got to factor in what kind of resources you have. At- exactly, just like in football. Yeah. Um, look, I, I Bruce Pearl's a terrific coach, and the job he's done at Auburn. I know they didn't have a good year this year, but took Auburn to the Final Four. He's got he's got a, a big time recruiting class coming in. This was this was a blip for them. Um, they'll be they'll be terrific as soon as next season. And he's been good everywhere he's been and yeah. maybe got the raw deal at Tennessee, maybe not, depending on that season. Did a good job there, let's remind folks. Yeah. And in Green Bay, you know what I mean, before. Really good. Nate Oates did a hell of a job at Buffalo and he's doing the same thing at Alabama and he's recruiting at a really high level. I mean if you if 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 you hit a reset button and told people, hey, you can hire whoever you want as your coach right now, all contracts off the table, go get your guy, Nate Oates would Nate Oates would have – his agent would be really busy. He would be way up there. I like Musselman at Arkansas. I know people go he's weird and he's kind of goofy, and and he does do some goofy stuff. But it's His just, dad was too. <laughs> you know, he's a different cat, but his teams play hard. He won at Nevada, and here he is in year two at Arkansas, and they're going to be a three-seed or a four-seed in the tournament, and, and that, that has to be considered a success, and you can't you can't dismiss that. Um, I I think Barnes is fine as a coach. I think there's a group of coaches in the middle of the league that are fine. They're they're solid. They're good coaches. I think Mike White's a really good coach. Mike's at a place where the expectation is to win the national title because Billy Donovan did it, and I don't think people understand how good of a coach Billy Donovan is. Billy Donovan is an elite NBA coach who was he did really good things at Florida in a in a little bit of a different era when you know you got Joe Kim Noah to stay three years. You got Al Horford to stay three years. You 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 you're able that doesn't happen anymore. Um you know I think Howland is, is a good coach, Mississippi State for what uh, because of some of the 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 changing face of college basketball they're, they're no longer the uh attractive school for Adidas so it's harder to get players there. Um I have very complicated feelings about Will Wade. Uh, he, you know, I mean, it's 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 hard to completely dismiss the results that he's gotten. And on the flip side, it's you you can't dismiss that wiretap. That that's it's there. His voice is on there. We all know what he's talking about. Uh, you know, if I take Javante Smart and put him on Alabama or put him on Arkansas or put him at Tennessee or Missouri, well, there those teams are a lot better. And you know, he's on on tape saying. I made him a strong ass offer. Well, I mean, and he's there, so I can 
I can do some math. Let, let me interject in here your thoughts because there's a lot of folks who's on recently. Um, there's a lot of folks ready in South Carolina to run out Frank yeah. Martin. What, what I mean, Frank's had a good career, successful, yeah, going to the final four. Um, a little overreaction to this year. Let's calm down and let's 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 let this play out a little bit more. He's also had some health issues too. He has. They weren't good last year. Uh, you know, I, I do think sometimes the game passes you by a little bit, and you and and, and the and the on the women's side, they've got like the hottest young, best young coach, and yep. they say, well, she handles. You know that don't help there because she handles COVID. You can't. That that's that's what I'm fe- that's what I'm sensing over there. You know what's interesting is I cover a guy that. I think has had to change a little bit. The, the, the kids are different now. You know, um, you, they, they've, they, they play a different style. They, 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 they all play AAU ball. And if you ever watch much AAU ball, it's very open offense. It's very free flowing. It's, 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 uh, there's not a lot of half court sets. It's a lot of movement. It's up and down transition. You, you defense creates offense kind of, that's what AAU ball is. And, Look at who's winning in the SEC this year. If you watch Alabama, if you watch Arkansas, it's very free-flowing. It's up and down, up and down. And, and so I've watched a guy in Kermit Davis who I think is old school in, in, in his, you know, I mean, he's a guy, he was a coach's son. His dad was the coach at Mississippi State forever. And, you know, Kermit was on that LSU staff for a long time. And then he was John at Brady, yeah. yeah. I remember him and like him, yeah. He, he was with, uh, you know, he's at Middle Tennessee for 16. And, and, and by the way, they're still talking about him at Middle Tennessee. Like, yeah. Man, we, 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 it's, it's, we're not going to be able to, we're not going to find another Kermit Davis, but we should be better, but we're not going to find another Kermit Davis in Murfreesboro. But they had a turning point, Ole Miss did, middle of the year. They were struggling. They were one and four out of the gate. And, but that's good coaching, though. And I, well, what I was going to say was, I think Kermit, turning around, I think Kermit's instinct was to, forgive me here, get up in their ass. And he didn't, he backed off. They, 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 they backed off and his team has responded to it. And then I'll tell you that I expect next season, you're going to see Ole Miss from an offensive philosophy standpoint. I think you're going to see them open up. I think you're going to see them go more. They're going to be in transition a lot more than they were this year. So I don't know, man. It's a, all right. Not to be ugly, not to be negative, but who would you, who would you say, man, I just, I just don't get it. You know, know. Stackhouse. Well, stack. Yeah. I was about to say stack is that's a, that's a disaster because that was a disaster from the athletic director hire, which is a disaster. The previous one. And, and, and I don't know that this current one's a little better. Although, by the way, they are giving Clark Lee more freedom of money, Neil, to hire uh, Scott, you know, uh, uh, coaching assistants and, you know, um, uh, analysts and whatnot. Uh, but Stackhouse, that's the old D League, G League, whatever they call the damn thing, and then and they bring him in. Would it? That that's a disaster, and that's a place that has had some success, and it's a place that can have some basketball success. Of course, I you remember Coach Newton, Sam Newton, going over there and doing such a really good job after his strong Alabama run. But that that's a disaster. Anybody else just says, man, that just is not going to work. Outside of Stackhouse. Anybody else that you put on that? Uh, Not as bad as Stack, but on that. The only other one, there's, I mean, because Quanzo's good. Quanzo's good. I, I, listen, I think, I, I don't think Howland's getting Talk it. Cal, you know, I mean, I'm trying to think who else is. Howland's not getting done at State. Um, it's just not happening. Um, let's see. Uh, you know, um, I know it was a disaster year. But Buzz has had a lot of success throughout his career, and I'm not ready to give up and say that it's not working. I know it's not working, but there's reasons why it's not working. I would say Buzz has got enough with Marquette and Virginia Tech to say that's that has a chance. I'll tell you the other one that, that I have real questions about is Tom Crean at Georgia. I know he had success in previous stops, but he's not having success at Georgia. And, and you know what? It's amazing in Atlanta, isn't it? Because they got a lot of talent, but you know what? They've never done that. I know they've never recruited that, and that is as much as Atlanta is an SEC football town. It is an ACC basketball town. If you're if you're one of those elite players, you tend to want to think ACC. You want to go 
ACC bound more more than and then and then yet yet the irony of all ironies is they went and got Dominique from yep. North Carolina back you know but that that if they could only just do a good job in the city right now the big city right next to them they would be that is one that just has so much potential and I don't know who you know that you you think you think a good recruiter there that has so much potential you would think, and yet they've done nothing. They had the final four run, Hugh Durham. That that's too, you talking about, I know we're getting off and we're going to get into a couple other things before we have to head out for the weekend, but think about the bas- basketball coaches during the stretch in the sec at the time you had Wimp and Sonny at Auburn. Um, and by the way, I was mentioning the coach at Mississippi State that couldn't remember the name that did such a good job at USC. Bob Boyd is who I was, was oh. uh, you know. But, you know, Weltick, you know, one of uh, – was at Ole Miss for a little while, but Bobby Knight just up. Don DeVoe at Tennessee. Of course, you know, Joe B. Hall at Kentucky. Dale Brown was at LSU. This was before really Arkansas coming in and South Carolina coming in. But, you know, um, and then Hugh Durham did a good job. Um, you remember Florida back in the day, they, they paid money. And remember when they paid all that money and got Norm Sloan to leave NC state to go to Florida, they had some real, if not great coaches, some real characters in the sec that were really good. So I I just, I kind of tend to kind of go back and forth through in my memory of that league was probably underrated. Then it's, it's a better league. Now it seems to have a lot more talent in it. But it is still about if Kentucky's not good, it doesn't wag the tail. But I agree with you. Bruce Pearl seems to be kind of a best combination of can recruit well and can coach well. Auburn's probably got them a gem there. And it looks like Alabama does uh, to go along with, you know, obviously what Kentucky will be in normal normal years. I mean, they'll, they'll figure it out with him or, you know, it was lifetime contract or whatever, but. Uh, I, I, I wonder, you know, like, like Ben Holland, that that's a guy that did such a good job at Pitt. UCLA situation is, you know, it's, it's just been goofy in modern years. They haven't really done anything. And yet you go to Mississippi state and Mississippi state's had some success. You mentioned the Adidas situation. I think it's an interesting, um, dynamic of the coaches in the sec right now that's why i wanted to kind of broach the subject all right we got some football questions for you uh breck jones says what are your thoughts on dave gettleman as a giants fan he's hated by most of the fan base and fans think his philosophies are outdated and that he doesn't understand modern positional value well i've known dave for years made many scouting trips with him think he's really good i think he's done a better job than people think um it's in New York. People are going to be critical. He understands the organization. The reason why I think people don't understand it is Dave is a big believer in building the lines of scrimmages. And even when they have missed, they've missed trying to fix that area. Uh, you know, people will be critical. Shouldn't have drafted Saquon Barkley. You don't take a back that high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think he's he's definitely better than most people think. But look, even though he's a friend and even though he's good, his record has been spotty. And I think that it's a division that is, quite frankly, not very well run by the organizations. Washington's Ron Rivera is trying to fix that. Dan Snyder has been a disaster. The Eagles have taken a big downward turn. And Dallas is, you know, they they tend to get in their own way a lot. And, and I think that Dave is not done enough. And I think he's there's the criticism is warranted to a point, but the whole it's passed him by. It's this. Nah, I don't, I don't agree with that. I, I don't agree with that. Um, I, I think he's a little bit better than, than people give him credit for, but they've got to start turning things around. And uh, I think that division is infinitely winnable and we'll see what he can do. Yeah, the Giants are interesting. Um, let's see. Uh, Tony Yayo, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Tony. If I'm not, I apologize. He says, Brady resigns for some funny math money to keep the band together in Tampa. Cam also gets more than the minimum wage from the Pats. What do you think of those two? Yeah, the the Tom Brady situation uh, wrapped up as we were on the air here. I got a 
little emails checking. So yeah, he was been working on a restructured deal. So what they have done, they've re-signed Levante David. They've tagged Chris Godwin. I don't know that they're going to be able to keep Shaq Barrett, but they're trying like heck. And of course, free agency, when we come back on Tuesday, the legal tampering period starts on Monday and the new league year starts on Wednesday. So um, they, all, all it's done, all they did is restructure money. So basically Brady gets his money. People think Brady's taking a pay cut. He's not. All that you do is, like, for example, if you've got a $15 million roster bonus due, the way you do it is say, hey, Neil, instead of you getting a $15 million roster bonus, I'm going to convert that into a signing bonus. So, Neil, here's a check to $15 million, and I can prorate that over life of a of a two or three years, and I reduce the cap number, but you still get the same money. So you're not losing any money. You're just getting the money up front, and that's what, it's what a lot of people do. Now, it can get you if you do that too often because it's like, putting money on a credit card, eventually it comes due credit card without interest. Um, Cam Newton, but don't believe this, this, this is a note when you hear it, because this, this is important to know, because next week you're going to hear about this guy sign this, the information about that comes out about what the player gets in the guaranteed money. It's about 80% incorrect in the reporting. And here's why they get it from the agent and the agent inflates it. You don't know the details of the contract until it goes through the league office and you, and you get it and you, you read the paragraph five, for example, Cam Newton's deal is not for 14 million. It's up to 14 million if he meets all the incentives. And that is a absolute bargain for a player that if he, meets his incentives and his 14 million, you can't get back up quarterbacks for that money. So it's not much guaranteed and it's incentive based. And that's, um, that's not, that's not, um, it's not as accurate as you think. And it's not, you know, 14 million up front or this or that. That's, that's, I, I hate to put it this way, but it's incorrect. I don't know if it's incorrect reporting. It's, just information that's given to them that when you look at it, they'll say, like, for example, it's it's uh, $28 million is guaranteed. It's guaranteed if they're on the roster in two years. Well, that's not guaranteed because you're not guaranteed to be on the roster. So a lot of that makes sure that you just understand that, that those things are not necessarily what it sees. Always look at the signing bonus. And if you want to look at what the first year salary is, that's really the only thing that's guaranteed. Anything beyond that is not guaranteed. If it's a roster bonus next March, well, you're not guaranteed to get that. So always remember that. Don't buy what you read. Uh, Rock Westfall says, is the hoodie in range of getting Garoppolo? I assume he means Belichick there. Is, is New England in the mix for Jimmy G? I, I, I don't. No, first of all, that depends upon what San Francisco could get done with a replacement for him. So I think they would be interested at the right price. But quite frankly, I think what his contract is right now is probably not that appealing to Bill. Cross Caldwell says, while we're uh, on the Giants, Chris, Neil, do you buy or sell Daniel Jones as a franchise quarterback in the long term? It's a good quarterback, you know. Depends on your definition of franchise. And I would think your definition is probably a guy that can carry a team. No, he is not. He's a team. He's a quarterback that you can win with. He's not going to win for you. He is a good decision maker with protection, can spread the ball around. He's accurate. And I have seen him be very productive. The team around him is not very good. And he's not going to, he can take a team that's really good. And I think he can, he can, um, elevate them to a point. I don't think he's a put your team on your back type of quarterback um, where you're going to build your offense around, you know, him. I think you build it around the line of scrimmage. I think he does fit what the Giants want to do. The biggest problem that they have there is that they haven't put enough of the pieces to where they're not a good enough team. Um, Let's see. Here's another. Will, will Russell Wilson play for the Seahawks this year? Look, I don't know. I think it's a good question. I don't have the answer right now. I think that it uh, – here, here's what I would say to that. It's going to cost 
Seattle about $39 million of dead money if they move Russell Wilson. It's an awful lot. That is a lot. It, it better be. Now, it, it's doable. We saw the Eagles do it with Wentz. So if they do it, they really want to get rid of them. And, again, dead money, again, is money allocated to the player cap-wise that is no longer on the team. Get to a couple, to swallow. Get to a couple questions here in a second. I do want to tell you first that uh, we are also brought to you by Blue Sky, where they believe in being fast, fresh, and friendly throughout the thoughtful lay- layout and cleanliness of their stores. Blue Sky uh, plans to keep things fresh and always provide the freshest flavors of their brand name products and the best services available. So check them out today at any one of their 48 store locations across the Southeast. Also brought to you by Alpha Specialties, located at 1670 Highway 80 in Pearl, Mississippi. They are your trailer-specific professional. They've got Load Trail, which is the premium brand trailer. They also have Hallmark Cargo Trailers, one of the most quality cargo trailers on the market today. Perfect for hauling goods to markets and shows, hauling race cars, and more. They can even build uh, game day trailers and concession trailers built just for you. They have uh, spare spare tires and wheels starting at $100.00. A full selection of trailer parts and accessories, hitches, winches, straps, and more. And they do all sorts of truck accessories. And they have a um, trailer service repair shop where they can repair all types of trailers. Concession, horse, utility, enclosed, gooseneck, RV, and more. 601-932-9798 or check them out at alphaofms.com. Last couple of things here, Chris. Let's see. uh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. With their cap situation, will the saints have to shop at dollar general for players for the next few years? That's, that's a topic. I, I, we don't have enough time to dive into it completely today, but I, I would like to put that one on your assignment list. Cause I know you know about it. And a lot of people are baffled by the saints and the salary cap thing. Like what's the deal at some point I'd, I'd kind of love an explanation for exactly. Yeah. How well, Rupa, we go into details, but when you basically redo the contract of Drew Brees and you put the money, I call, well, just think in terms of credit card, they just put it on and without any credit limit. And it basically they're in cap difficulty. Look, free agency is where you always want to shop for bargains because you're not getting great value. So the best thing to do is to let the market settle to where you can get if a player's worth five, pay him five. The problem in free agency is you're going to see this. I was doing a, a, a piece. So the, the top receivers, for example, that are in the market, there, there's some good receivers that are going to be available. None of them are in the top 25 receivers graded in the league this year. Think about that. Yet, if you look at Kenny Dalladay and Will Fuller and Juju Smith-Schuster, they're good players. They're not going to get good money. They're going to get great money. They're going to get money commensurate with top 10 receivers in the league. They're not quite that. That's where your roster gets out of balance and you make mistakes. So what what you have to do, the way you do it, is you have to draft well. That's the best bargain you get because you get some of your best players on your team and they're on a rookie contract. And so that's what the Saints are going to have to do. And to be competitive short term, they're going to have to pick and choose who they pay money to. They have restructured several more contracts with guys that they want to keep so that they can create enough room to be competitive this year. But um, Ole Miss question, draft question. Jeffrey Parrott says, where do you think Elijah Moore gets drafted? He says, I hope he falls so the Saints can pick him up because they need the receivers. Just leave the Saints. You can touch the Saints part if you want to. What do you What do you think about Elijah Moore? There's a lot of early second-round talk. Is that too high? Or what do you, uh, you know, I think he's – I think he – when I'm done with him, I'm, I'm – working the boards are coming up soon on Landry football. I've got all the in a, the free agent stuff up. I, I think it's more uh, high third round value to me, but I think that certainly anywhere from two to four is within range. Always remember this, and we'll, we'll discuss this a little bit further down the road, but um, you only have about 18 to 22 first run grades. You'll have as many as 55 second round grades. Do the math. So you're going to have second round value going into third, so on and so forth. But uh, Elijah, where he goes and where he's graded may be a little bit, you know, different. Uh, let's see if we have anything else that uh, people have wanted to know there. They're peppering you with NFL talks. It might be a, a sign that we start shifting the draft, Chris, as you well know. I don't know how many other people know this exactly. I didn't I love it, Shane. Say, golly, the top 25 receiver in the NFL. Did you grade them all? Do you know how to grade receivers? He's a really good receiver. Go look at Landry football, high players graded. That'll tell you 
how they grade it out. Um, he's just on the outside of that. So I'm not, you know, I, I appreciate it, but that that's understand that. NFL draft starts seven weeks from today. Do you know that's that? Correct. It's correct. Yeah. 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 I know. I'm, I'm on the clock. <laughs> seven I'm on the clock. Seven weeks from today. All right. We'll, uh, we'll stop there. The, uh, we've got uh, a lot of SEC basketball talk today. Hope you guys enjoyed that. SEC basketball tournament starts in one hour from right now. Um, four games today. Hopefully everybody gets the games in. Hopefully uh, all the COVID stuff uh, doesn't uh, bite the SEC and they can, they can finish up. So enjoy the games. Enjoy the weekend. It is uh, springtime. Hope you get out and uh, enjoy the weather. For Chris Landry, I'm Neil McCready. Chris will be back with you on Tuesday. I'll be back with you uh, later next week with another edition of SEC Football and Beyond. Until then, have a great weekend. Take care. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.